Hello, it is Wednesday lunchtime and I am Jen Wilson, but you'll probably know that if you follow me. I am jenwilson.com and today I am going to have Scotland Grows. So MT from Scotland Grows is going to join. Welcome to anybody who's going to be watching. So today I am going to be talking about the health benefits of well I'm not going to be talking about this MT is going to be talking about the health benefits of being in the garden right Scotland grows invite to join this is going to work a little bit faster than last week I think we were about four and a half minutes yay hello that was so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Last week I was about nearly five minutes trying to get, Ashley was on and off trying to get connected and then get the lighting right and all sorts of first. I know, I think sometimes it's a bit of a hit or miss with technology. It's great when it works. Yeah, yeah, and an absolute nightmare when it doesn't. <laughs> so MT, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. I know, I wish I had set up out in the garden today because it's absolutely gorgeous outside, isn't it? Proper spring day. Seen the blue. I was out yesterday. We went across to the allotment yesterday um, and sat for two hours. I had oh. my feet, bare feet on the ground and my freckles. When I came back, I looked in the mirror, my freckles had all started yay. to come out. I was like, yay, I need some colour on my skin. <laughs> so you weren't doing any work in the allotment? You were just relaxing? No, I was just relaxing. <laughs> Chris does the hard work. Well, most of it's done this um, for this year because this Good. is the third year that we've had it. So the, the big stuff's all been done. So it was just seeds planted. We've got our little seedlings in the house and in the greenhouse. Great. Just all waiting now to, to blossom. But, but even that experience of just being in your allotment, as you say, grounding yourself with soil, that's so, so good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the, the health yes. benefits mental yes. and physical benefits of pottering about your garden or allotment or whatever space you have. I know and it's great that you are an allotment holder because you get it, you actually see and feel the benefits. Yeah, yeah. As I said to you in the message, um, I got diagnosed with Crohn's four years ago now and when I'm in pain, if I go across and even doing some weeding, it completely takes the pain away. Yep. And that's because it's not just physical, that's emotional well-being as well. It's taking your mind off your pain. It's giving you purposeful activity, something else to focus on. So it's, it's wonderful. And there have been so many studies done on not just the physical, but the, the, the well-being effects of gardening. But it's so hard to prove and so hard to quantify. But people have an emotional response and say they do feel better after an hour spent in the garden or on the allotment. Or even just walking in nature, walking through a forest or you know, looking at green fields. So yeah. it's it's just hard to quantify, but the feel-good effects, which you actually feel yourself, you know, you know they're there, so it's really subjective. Yeah, totally. How did you get into this? Um, well, I've always been a gardener, um, but I think for a long time, gardening was seen as the, the kind of the premise of the blue rinse brigade. And, you know, if you were under a certain age, you didn't admit to being a gardener, but I always was a gardener. Um, and then I hit a, a certain a certain age, um, and I thought, no, do you know what? I actually love being in the garden, and I love. And then, um, I um, kind of, my degree was in English literature anyway, so I always wanted to to write. Um, I'm a teacher to trade, so yeah. all all of the the kind of initial training all just kind of came together. I am, um, and I did some retraining in, in gardening, particularly in therapeutic gardening. Started a blog, started then doing some freelance writing, writing for you know national magazines and newspapers. Um, and so on and so forth. And it just went on. And last year, um, I started Scotland Grows, which is um, an online digital magazine specifically for gardening in Scotland. Um, you'll know if you read gardening magazines um, and a lot of the TV programmes, that prim primarily a lot of the, the advice in gardening magazines and even in online sites are aimed at gardens which are much further south yeah. than us. Um, and we have a, a different climate and even a different climate right across Scotland and we have such different gardening conditions literally from mountains to valleys yeah so um, I wanted to be involved with something that um, actually tailored advice much more to our climate uh, and the great thing is that we have writers and contributors to the magazine from all across Scotland so you know we're a writer in the Shetland Isles 
and what she can grow in her garden is very, very different to someone in mm. East Lothian or someone yeah. in an inner city garden in Edinburgh. We have a gardener um, from Glasgow who has a balcony garden. So it's Amazing. it's trying to show people that, you know, you don't need acres and acres and you don't need full sun that they maybe have much further south, that everything can be, you know, can be grown. Everyone can do exactly what, exactly something with their own little patch of land. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's really exciting and it's great to hear from, from gardeners all around the country about, um, you know, just, oh, you've got something going on. Chris is sitting in the background, he's eating his lunch and he's clanging his fork off the <laughs> I told him, I was like, we're recording live. Why are you here? The joys of home working, isn't it? <laughs> right. It's real life, it's real life. Yeah, it's real life, it's real life. And the magazine's about that. It's about real gardens and real gardening and real gardeners. It's not about um, show yeah. gardens or, you know, love your garden makeovers, which can be done in 24 hours. Yeah. Because I think what gardening like that misses, and, you know, lots of new gardeners want to have an instant garden, but what that misses essentially is the journey. Yeah. And it's the journey of gardening which is so, so, so important. And I think people are coming to recognise that now, that we no longer are gardening just to make a garden, but we're gardening for the activity of gardening itself because of all the benefits that it can bring. I mean, you'll know, obviously, of all the physical benefits, um, doing what you do and, and promoting physical health all the time, but yeah. it literally is like an outdoor gym. Gardening gives our bodies a complete whole body workout it doesn't just work muscles and the arms and legs it works you know muscles all over it improves overall fitness it helps with the cardio levels increases your flexibility your strength your stamina and if you think about the range of activities that people do in a garden or on an allotment yeah you can equate it to what you do indoors in a gym so if you're carrying bags of soil it's a bit like weightlifting yeah yeah you know probably more beneficial in that respect when you're doing it in the garden because that's the function you know there's a big thing in the fitness and um, industry about functional training functional training and you're throwing sandbags about and stuff like that but if you actually go and do the, the physical work itself yep. you're, you're really replicating this is what I would do if I was digging a hole or picking up these yep. bags and then people get an all of our better body workout but tend to get more exercise over the period because it doesn't feel like exercise. Right. So you're exercising because you're gainfully employed in completing a job or getting a task done so you don't realise. So all that bending and stretching when you're weeding, that's increasing your flexibility all the time yeah. without you really knowing that that's going on. So physically gardening literally works the whole body. It calls in all the major muscles in the backs, the arms, the legs, the abdominal area and you know, if you were to make a list of all the different jobs you overtook in the garden and the allotment, you could vary your routine every day just by, you know, the process of making a, a garden. And you come out of it, not just those physical benefits, but hopefully you have, you know, a wonderful place to sit and enjoy. And you can eat quite often what you produce. And that's all on top of all of the well-being benefits that gardening brings, which is just it's just absolutely amazing. It's it's for most most people would say the garden. Those who are gardeners, the garden is their happy place, and it's their happy place because of the way it makes them feel. So there are lots of you know lots of I guess I said at the beginning lots of studies done, but kind of what seems to be in common is that gardening is a purposeful activity. So it gives you meaning. It gives you something to do which has a meaning. You're yeah. responsible for something. It's a future in which you focus. So you don't plant potatoes to not want to eat them. You don't plant a rose to not want to smell it. So it's that future hope and it's that, that journey, that process of watching something. Go. I mean, there's nothing more exciting. You know, if you've just set seeds, there's nothing more exciting than sowing seeds and then checking literally every single day to see if they germinated. And see when that tiny, tiny little green shoot comes through the soil. Oh my goodness, that is a feeling like no other. Yeah. And then even from morning to night, like how much it's yeah. grown just within that day. Because Chris will go, we've got like a, a homemade... Um, greenhouse thing on the window ledge just now where some of the seeds are and every day we're like oh my god look how much how yeah. this is getting massive and obviously massive it's not it's growing a couple of millimeters but but it's great in comparison to what it was to what it is and then just the way that like I get really excited even going walking around the park like no, starting to notice because we're coming into spring which trees are starting to bud yeah. and some things are already flowering and like there's so much change and then some things are still in that process of dying back even though we're coming into spring and seeing the changes 
the year and you just I just get so excited about it and that being in awe you know the word awesome mm-hmm. comes from that being in awe and this is like the purest purest essence of that word is being in awe of what's going on around you because you don't you're so present in yeah. that moment your brain is not thinking about tomorrow or, or it might go I wonder what this is going to look like tomorrow but there's no yeah. anxiety around it or depression around it or anything. and it's a way it's a way of making you feel connected exactly as you're describing mm-hmm. you're suddenly connected to the environment around you because you're you're present in that moment you're noticing a seed you're noticing a bud you're noticing as you see things starting to leaf up and green up so it's just it's being in the moment it's being connected um, it's thought that um, you know your heart rate lowers after an hour in the garden uh, the stress hormone cortisol is thought to lower after half an hour in the garden and that's all to do with the calming sound of the outdoors as well I mean there's there's a reason why all of these um, you know calming apps take birdsong and they put birdsong into their apps they try and replicate it because it's such a a natural I want to say chirpy sound but obviously that's a play on words but Yes. It is. It's such a cheery sound to hear birds. It's a sign of renewal. It's a sign of new life. And it's it's calming. It, it helps to calm the brain activity. It lowers your heart rate and it reduces the stress rate, um, the stress hormone cortisol, all of which, in addition to the physical benefits, it leads to better sleep as well. Yes. So because you've had physical exercise, you've breathed in fresh air, you've, you've moved your body, but you've also calmed your brain, you've calmed all, of, all those emotions, you actually get a better night's sleep and it's not just because you're knackered after all the physical stuff in the garden it's because of everything else that's going on that's in place so it's what's not to love you know you know in the top of all that fresh air a bit of vitamin d and to say you either get to enjoy the blooms at the end of it or you get to eat your produce so it's kind yeah. of you know it's it's a bit of a bit of, well we here gardener for we here gardeners is a bit of a no-brainer obviously but for <laughs> You know, for the well, it's it's estimated about three million new gardeners were made last year during lockdown. Around ninety thousand are thought to be new gardeners in Scotland. Yeah. And the challenge now is for those people to keep that enthusiasm going. It's yeah. You know, people think of gardening as um, an activity which requires a lot of time. You know, I don't have time. I hear that all the time. Oh, I'd love to have a lovely garden, but I don't have time to have a lovely garden. I don't have time to upkeep it. I don't know what I'm doing. All of those are just excuses, really. Yeah. You, you know, you maybe need a lot of time at the beginning if your space is an utter bombsite. Yeah. But, you know, 10 minutes a day, if you're working from home, nip out at lunchtime, do a quick 10 minutes, nip out after work. Do, you break down the tasks into small, manageable tasks, which are then really achievable. And in the long run, you actually start to see progress rather than spending, you know, a full day dotting about, doing a bit here and a bit there, and actually you're not you're not achieving anything. So break yeah. things down if you're a new gardener into really small, manageable tasks and aim for 10, 10 to 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And, you know, get done. Get this little section or let's get one one or two plant pots set up. Like Absolutely. So easy to do, and then you do get to just sit back and enjoy it. Um, I've I read a book on forest bathing, and they've, done a lot of studies in Japan about going into the forest and how that helps what you were saying about being in the garden reducing cortisol stuff like that and they um understand from particularly from trees I would imagine that plants and flowers and stuff will be the same that there's there's hormones and things Mm -hmm. and essential oils released from the plant itself and when we breathe them in that then has these positive physiological effects in the body that help with yeah, the, the Japanese have done quite a lot of studies into mm-hmm. um, having access to, to green space um, and they link access to green space now to an increase in longevity. Yeah. So it, it's getting outside and, and access to green space doesn't necessarily mean you have to have an allotment or you have to have a big garden. It can be a walk in the park, a walk you know, through the countryside. Um, the mental health charity Mind have also... Um, done some work in this as well and they compared people having um, a short walk through um, like a, a, a garden or a countryside setting to walking through a shopping mall yeah. um, and obviously the, the results speak for themselves that all of the people who walked through the natural scene had improved mental health. There's also um, an increase in healing as well. People who, they did a study of people in hospitals and people who can see yep. outside in the green spaces heal faster and recover from surgeries quicker um was 
pre-2020, I had gone to visit my uncle in hospital and at the end of his bed, although there was a window in the room, I think it was just buildings that you could see, the end of his bed, they had a big screen that was an outdoor painting, like print of mm -hmm. a forest. And that's because they said that your brain doesn't really recognise that something's just a picture versus at the real thing outside. So when you put a photograph up, if for any reason you can't see a green space from where yeah. you are, just being able to look at an image of it can be really beneficial as well. It's the ability for people in hospital to lose themselves in yeah. the picture, in the imagined scene. Um, and you're talking about the probably the most famous study of that was the 1993 uh, study by Ulrich, who had a control group and put patients in kind of six different environments post-surgery um, to, to monitor the recovery. And some patients were you know, put in a room where they faced, like you said, a blank wall. Some were put in where they just had abstract paintings. Some had no windows. And it went on and on. But the people who had a room where they either had a picture of a natural scene or of water seemed to recover faster but interestingly needed less doses of pain medication and they felt less anxious and obviously mm -hmm. the feeling of having less anxiety will naturally aid recovery yeah so these things are hard to quantify so scientifically to actually quantify well what is the magic ingredient here that's hard to quantify but it's people's emotional and subjective response to these things which are just so interesting and yeah. I think have we have we been forced into realizing that now more with not a lot not and not being able to have people inside our houses so if you want to meet someone predominantly over the past few months you've had to meet them in your garden yeah. or you've had to meet them out, outside you know when restrictions allowed so have we just recognized that more now that we need to make more of our green spaces we need mm -hmm. to hopefully hopefully Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, and hopefully it stays. And like when people are, are realizing these benefits, that they that they do maintain, find a way to maintain it, even if it's putting a plant on their desk. If they're going back to the office, yeah, it's thought that you know an office with plants aids productivity by fifteen percent, apparently. Interesting. What are your but also a windowsill? You know, even if you've got, even if you've not got access to a garden, you can grow microgreens on your windowsill. I'm a massive advocate of um, growing microgreens on your windowsill, and I, you know, I, I host workshops to show people how to do it. It's mm -hmm. the simplest and easiest thing in the world, but you have the whole joy of that seed germination and watching it grow, and then you can, you know, you've got this nice greenery on your windowsill, but you can cut that and add it to your food, so you're getting that boost of vitamin, you know, as you're doing it, but you're engaged again in a purposeful activity yeah yeah um, so what would what would class as microgreens for anybody that doesn't know um so you can grow like pea shoots on your windowsill um or salad greens or lots of veg you can sow seeds but you're just harvesting the greens at a really small size um, yeah. because they're packed with the nutrients mm. I, I also grow always like garlic greens okay so you're not I'm not waiting for the garlic to come to you know a full garlic bulb but but the little garlic bulb will grow you know, a green shoot, yeah. and I chop that and pea shoots almost every morning, stick them on the scrambled eggs. Yeah. So I'm getting that boost, um, you know, of nutrients from microgreens, which are, are packed, are thought to be more packed with nutrients than the full-grown vegetable. Yeah. But supermarkets don't stock or sell microgreens mm -hmm. as widely as maybe they should be because it's not worth growing them. They grow and germinate in literally a couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's much much easier to do that at home it's not it, it's not cost effective for supermarkets to have something that grows within a couple of weeks by the time they you know shipped it and looked at all of you know yeah. the different options for distribution and marketing and promotion so it's super easy to grow in your window you just need like one little pot even the garlic that you get from the supermarket just take a couple of cloves off so literally literally stick them in the soil yeah. keep it watered and within five six days they will be growing within a week you could be chopping them and adding them and you get that lovely like garlicky taste and it's mm. i know lots of people that when their garlic starts to shoot they put them in the bin oh because <laughs> they think like they think oh the, it's too old now i can't use it so rather than making use of it yeah. they just fire it into the bin but then gardening is all about learning and making mistakes and then learning from those mistakes and that's why you know, I'm, I, I don't think that in any profession you ever stop learning or any walk of life or any career and gardening gives you that opportunity. There is no one single person on the whole planet who has grown every single plant or every single flower 
for every single tree, for every single vegetable, or every single piece of fruit that yeah. can be grown. So therefore, there is no one on the planet that has infinite knowledge, which means we're all able to just tune in, to tune in whatever your level's at. You might not have space in your garden to have, you know, full-blown apple trees, but maybe you can have a strawberry bush. Yeah. So tune in at your level. You know, if something doesn't work well, well, you learn from that, and then you do it differently the next year. So yeah. it's something that I think you can always grow at, and no one can ever say that a terrible gardener. It's just that something didn't work. Maybe your soil wasn't right for it, or maybe you forgot to water it, or maybe... Just like last year, we had an extraordinarily dry spell. Yeah. Um, so that plant didn't thrive. It was in full sun. It needed to be in shade. So work, work out what went wrong, learn from it, and try it differently, you know, the next year. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that just claim that all they ever do is kill plants. And I used to think I was one of those people until I got spider plants. And now I have a windowsill full of spider plants. <laughs> well, see, this, now there's a really funny thing, because spider plants is a thing I can't grow. I can't really? keep spider plants alive now. I have got, God, I don't like to count how many plants I've got in the house. I think we're nearly probably hitting 50 somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I just stopped counting them and, you know. Um, but spider plants, I can't keep alive. Spider, spider plants die on me and I know what I'm doing. So yeah. that's what I mean. No one's ever an expert on everything mm. under the sun. I've probably kept things alive which other people can or shouldn't thrive maybe in my environment and that's okay. But something it's simple and easy and spider plants are recommended for beginners because they're so easy mm -hmm. to keep and I, I i can't keep a spider plant alive so there you go yeah <laughs> there you go who knew could just be as you say the environment like it's yeah not, absolutely not absolutely. the optimal environment so it's just trial and error till you find what what works in your space and learning from people like yourself so you do workshops on online well yeah they're on zoom obviously like everyone everyone else at <laughs> the moment um yeah. Yeah, just to show people how to do things and, and to grow things. But there, nothing beats being side by side with someone and, you know, yeah. growing alongside them. Yeah. So what do you grow on your allotment? Um, we've got what's growing this year. We've got broccoli, which we've never successfully been able to grow yet. Onions, carrots, beetroot, cabbage, tomatoes. Um, we're not growing courgettes this year because we've, we've managed to successfully grow courgettes the last two years but neither of us really like them so. <laughs> uh, cucumber garlic fennel okay. strawberries we've got a couple of um, we've got a cherry tree and a plum I think a plum tree and a pear tree um, which are just new and Chris has been taking cuttings um, of like elder and a couple of other things. Um, there's loads of, I think there's cuttings of currants that are in the soil, seeing if they grow. Wow, good. Like, our roses and our herbs. Tons of mint, like the mint. Oh, yeah. Mints obviously grows wild. What was interesting was when it was in the pot, it didn't really grow very well. And then when we planted it into the ground, obviously it's taken over the space, but it just totally thrived when it went into the ground. It didn't like being contained in a pot. Uh, well, I've got lots of mint in pots, actually, um, and, and they grow really well. But yeah, every year you can take that mint out and, and divide it and give it away because it just, yeah, you see, it just goes crazy. But if you've got an allotment, you've obviously you've got to contain then in a raised bed so it yeah. won't take over yeah. everything. Yeah, because if you dig it up, you obviously the roots are just completely matted together. But yeah, I grow lots of mint um, in pots around the garden, primarily to add to um, cocktails, I may say. <laughs> I make tea from it. <laughs> yeah, I give a lot away to, to friends who like mint tea as well. So um, I grow a lot and give it away uh, to them. But yeah, it's, it's a really easy one to have. And what I love about it is it's just green. It just stays gorgeous and green all summer long. It's just lovely to look at. And it's lovely to just brush by and feel. Mm -hmm. I can't walk by the mint without just having a wee feel. It's just lovely. It's so fresh. So easy. We rub and a wee sniff. Yeah. Chives are very easy as well if you don't have chives growing. I think, we, I think in the wee herb, section i think chives chives basil and something else basil something else i've never we've never been able to successfully grow it just seems to even it's, if you buy a pot of one of the plants from the supermarket they just die like as soon as they get them in the house basil's very difficult to grow outside in scotland mm. primarily just because of temperature yeah the environment yeah yeah so it'll grow well in a greenhouse and it will, it will it will grow in, in a house as well, but it's very difficult to grow outside in Scotland unless you have a really nice sunny shelter spot because most herbs are 
Mediterranean, so you have to try and think about the conditions that they like yeah. to grow in. Um, Scotland, not not so much in terms of <laughs> sunshine. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they, they won't grow and, and can't grow. It's just you have yeah. to maybe think about uh, helping them along a bit. They probably need just um, things like like basil um, and t- lavender as well. So lavender, I, I grow lavender really well, but lavender doesn't like a wet soil. So wet, wet winters can be particularly difficult for lavender and you can lose it. So you're just thinking a wee bit about what you can add to the soil or what you can, you know, surround the plant with to give it uh, just just a wee bit of help, really, to try and yeah. replicate the conditions that, that it likes. That it likes. But you're doing great. You've got loads growing. Yeah, yeah. It's, Chris just goes through and we're like, so this year we've been a bit more organised in what did we actually what do we like? What do we eat? And not yeah. over because the the first year we just planted seeds seeds to see what would grow, and then we ended up with a ridiculous amount of fennel. That I was like, I don't know anybody else that uses fennel. Yeah, There's <laughs> hundreds of it, and loads of um, bok choy. And oh. I gave that away to one of my my Chinese friends. I was like, going to take this because I think. So we could see as well, there's different patches within the allotment that really thrive and then other mm-hmm. parts where the stuff struggles, where obviously whoever had the, the plot before us definitely grew stuff in certain parts and had other parts just as grass. So it's just learning the yeah. different areas of the allotment to, to find out what, what needs a bit more TLC or if that soil maybe needs more compost added to it and trying to learn that way. Yeah, and that's the thing, it's not not to give up. So you're in, did you say year three now? Yes. Yeah, so you, you grew everything the first year, you saw what grew, you learned from that last year, and then this year now you're actually editing your choices and you're saying, yes. well, what do we like? And I think we all do that. We all get a bit gung-ho when we start growing um, produce to eat and sow everything and then think, what am I, I going to do with this? What do I, you know? Um, These are only hold so much. Yeah, the first year I ever grew Brussels sprouts, they grew fantastically well, and I had these huge towers of Brussels sprouts, but my children won't eat Brussels sprouts, so literally I had all of these Brussels sprouts, and I was googling, looking up recipes for what to do with Brussels sprouts, there's only so many ways you can eat Brussels sprouts, but lots of people uh, must have been in the same position having too many Brussels sprouts, so there are tons of great recipes out there for how to use them, so um, the learning experience obviously last year was not to grow quite as many Brussels sprouts because no one else was eating them but yeah find what you like find what grows well and then literally combine that and just grow loads of what you actually like to eat yeah I've also been learning from Janice who runs Be Nourished by Nature so she does like fermenting so it's finding alternative things that you can do with the produce Mm -hmm. to help preserve it so that you've got access to it longer throughout the year so it's not just freezing everything or potentially losing the stuff it's what what else can you do so that it adds more variety and more interest to the stuff that you've got yeah yeah that's 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 great and because there is this hungry gap now where you've just harvested all the winter crops and everything's starting to be sown for this year and that it's these couple of months are called the hungry gap because we're waiting on all the new produce yeah. Um, so yeah, if you can freeze stuff or pickle it or ferment it or find ways, you know, to even if it's just blanching and freezing, just other ways that you can you can keep things in. Actually, you can grow all year round. And if you have like microgreens on your windowsill, if you, you can get some quick lettuce crops growing now, well, if, if the sunshine keeps up and this nice dry weather keeps up, spinach yeah. grows really quickly, as do things like radishes. So you can fill the gap now until all the rest of the crops really take off with lots of really quick, fast sowing, quick growing things. Yeah, yeah. It's so exciting. Right. It is, and it's a, it's, a, it's just like this is the best time of year. Like this Saturday marks, you know, the start of, of officially it's spring. Um, so it's just a great time of year to embrace that gardening. You know, springtime already anyway is a sign of renewal. It's a, it's a season of hope. It's a season of new birth, new beginnings, looking forward, and it's just great. And if you're someone who is just not you, but I mean, generally, I've just discovered a love of growing or a love of gardening. Then, gosh, get outside now and really embrace it over the next couple of weeks. You know, yeah. plant some seeds. There's even on a, an essential supermarket shop, you know, there are stacks of seeds. Just pick up something random and give it a go. If it works, yeah. then you'll be overjoyed. And if it doesn't work, you've probably lost 99 pence. Yeah. You know, yeah. or or you haven't actually lost anything because most seed packets contain 250 seeds 
which you wouldn't obviously sew at once. So give it a go. And if it doesn't work, then maybe it's just been too cold or it's not been in the right position. So wait and try it again in a couple of weeks' time. And, you know, it's, seeds are really cheap to buy, but what you get from it, the benefits, like, you know, of gardening are amazing. So just, I'm always encouraging people just to, to give it a go. You know? It's a hashtag I use a lot on my own blog, on the Pink Wheelbarrow blog. It's just hashtag give it a go. What have you got to lose? Get outside, give it a go, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, I was somebody who was not interested in gardening at all. And it was my partner, Chris. He, um, he's Polish and he grew up. They have allotments, like a lot of them live in flats. So allotments is something that is really normal for them to have. Okay. And he grew up learning about how to do that. So when he moved in with me, and there's allotments right across the road from us. He put his name down. We got one really quickly. And he was the one that was like the driving force for it and I would go across and be like oh this is actually oh this is really interesting this is really good mm -hmm. just having somebody else so even I suppose if you are not sure finding somebody that is interested in, in their mm -hmm. garden or their space and going and seeing what they are doing and that infectious excitement catch yeah. it off of them <laughs> yeah and it's so easy to find information now you know online about everything and anything and yeah you know, if there's something that you're not sure about, you know, don't watch one video, watch a couple of videos about different ways to do something. And there are always different, of course, are the tried and tested ways and the expert ways, but there are always ways that people are trying to push the boundaries and grow things in different ways. So, you know, have a look at all that and don't be afraid to ask questions. There are now so many pe people who are gardeners on platforms like this, like Instagram. Yeah. Um, gardeners always want to talk about gardening. Yes. So don't be afraid to ask questions if you're growing something and, and it's really new to you or if you've got a problem and it's not working because chances are you'll find someone who's either had the same problem or is currently having the same problem and you know you'll find a wee bit of support yes. support on it there so it's it's great it's and you you say you really feel obviously we came on to chat about and we have talked about physical and the, the well-being and benefits of gardening but you said um, you definitely feel that mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's, and it's just I am somebody who has a lot of inflammation in their body and even though I eat all the anti-inflammatory foods and do like infrared sauna and I do all these things there's still something missing that when I am in nature that resettles it and there's, there's studies on grounding and how when you're when you're physically your bare skin is touching the earth that that recharges your electrons or something I'm totally mess this up but it helps yeah, with inflammation and I think they've done scans or studies on people where they've actually grounded them with air and mm -hmm. then done a test to see whether or not there's inflammation shown in their body and there's not so it's just then being able to be there more often to help mm -hmm. try and encourage that uninflamed state so if people are dealing with arthritis or any kind of these other inflammatory conditions just being able to go and touch the earth really can help yeah it's the it's the basically walking about barefoot isn't mm. it that's that's the nub of it it's getting out and walking about barefoot so yeah. you're actually physically in contact with the earth to allow a bit of resetting and it's um yeah and you can combine that with you don't have to you know stand there barefoot you know you can combine that with just gently walking about your garden or your allotment or doing some jobs or Another really easy activity that I always, always tell people to do is just to snap their garden, take pictures all through the different seasons because then that gives you literally like a mental boost, a pat on the back to show yourself how far you've come. Yep. So, you know, take an area before you've attacked it, take an area in the middle of planting it, take an area when it's starting to come to life, take a picture of an area when it's in full bloom, take a picture of the area when it's withered, you know, and then in the bleak midwinter, you know, in the depths of those dark, dark days, just flicking back through your pictures and remembering what those borders or those pots looked like really give you a mental boost. But also looking back to see how it started in the beginning and how far you've come, you know, that is a real big virtual pat on the back for yourself to say, like, look what I have achieved, either with no knowledge or little knowledge. Yeah. Um, and it's great if we added together... You know, it said if we added together all of the garden spaces in the UK, it would equal more than the, all the established green space that there is, you know, like green belt and protected areas. So we can we can all do something to, you know, encourage our green space. Don't 
slab over your front driveway, you know, don't put plastic grass down. Don't put plastic grass down, don't put patios, you know, they extend the whole width of your garden, you know, let's do something to keep biodiversity alive, to, you know, capture carbon, to prevent flood, flood risk, but also, you know, you can do it for all those altruistic reasons, but you're actually also doing it for yourself. You're doing it for you to have a place of solace, you know, a place of somewhere you can escape to. We've needed that more than ever in the past year, you know, a place of yeah. relaxation and contemplation, but also right back to what we were saying at the beginning, a place where you can get physical exercise, you can get all of the well-being benefits. And it's right on your doorstep, it's at, it's at no cost. There's no other room in your house which gives you what your garden gives you. So it's worth putting just a wee bit of time, a wee bit of investment of, you know, of yourself into your garden and making it a, a usable space and you in turn reap, you know, reap all of those benefits. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it helps teach you about, for me certainly, it has helped taught me more about the cycle of life, understanding that things die back and then new things grow yeah. in, in its place. And it's a, that helps me me connect to the whole planet as well as to other people around me of everything from like I lost my gran just over two years ago and I found that really difficult she was 90 and she wasn't well and there's this that cycle of life mm -hmm. and then two weeks later my cousin's baby was born and there was a new focus and it's just like yeah. oh it happens in all of nature and we are nature yeah and it I think all gardeners, you know, are patient. They have to be patient because it's not about an instant makeover. It's about nurturing the seasons. It's about things coming in their turn, a place, a place for everything. Um, and so, yeah, if you've, you're picking that up already from the, you know, the short couple of years you've been gardening, and so that's great. That that helps your well-being. You know, in the in the long run, it just let you. The garden allows you to slow down. Yeah. You know, to slow yeah. down. Yeah. Slow the pace. Watch, watch for all yeah. of, watch for all of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's slow down and be patient. And I'm, I'm like the least patient person in the world. Like I want everything sorted right yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not how, that's not how it works. So it's just like, oh yeah, there's nothing I can do about this. I just have to wait until the carrot is ready, or absolutely, the earth is ready, or whatever it is. Absolutely. So do you feel when you're over in the allotment, so you, you're embracing all of the well-being benefits of gardening, but do you feel the physical act of gardening helps as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just coming, going down on into the ground. So I, I sit and think about, oh, I'm down here, I'm in this really deep squat. Now, if I was in the gym, I wouldn't go into a deep squat because I'd be like, oh, no, I have to get back up from there. Whereas I can really comfortably, really easily, really happily sit down there and not think about, oh, I'm doing a squat just now. I do yeah. because I'm... I'm interested in how the body works. But if you, you take any, any client into the gym and say, right, you're going to squat up and down, you're going to come down onto your hands and knees and then get back up, they look at you like you were mental. Yeah. But you're getting all the joints working in the ranges of movement that they are meant to move in. Your your hands are not meant to be on a phone like this all day. Yeah. They're meant to be grabbing at things and pulling at things and so many people that I am speaking to just now are talking about how they've lost the, the strength in their grip but how often do you, you grip things other than trying to open a jar like mm -hmm. hold a phone mm -hmm. if you are going in and pulling weeds up that straight away you're getting that grip if you're using a spade or a shovel you're you're using your grip and you need your grip yep you do you know, yep. all these joints are here for a reason not yep. just to not just to scroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like the garden is an outdoor gym, so you have a, a much fuller range of movement just by overtaking the tasks that need to be done without necessarily, as you said, sticking to a dictated program or someone saying you should do this and you should do that. So if you even just think more broadly of all of the different, you know, tasks that you undertake in the garden. So mm. you know raking leaves that gives you like a great cardio workout because it's hard work it makes you sweat you know pushing a wheel, wheelbarrow or pushing a lawnmower if you're reading you're hoeing you're cutting hedges you know you're stretching up and down because you're lifting bags of soil or you're reading or you're gathering maybe grass clippings so 
you've got a huge range of movement and if you really wanted to take that a step further then you know i would recommend to people you just exaggerate the movement while you're doing it so if you're bending up and down for reading and you're thinking well i really want to get more out of it then exaggerate the movement as you're doing it or doing it a few more times you know yeah um, other things physically would be to move with the tool and you know don't overstretch so don't overstretch using the tool you need to actually comfortably move with the tool so you're not I'm going to do any damage to your body and try and change hands or change sides when you're doing. So yeah, you're not over dominant on one side. Um, I was mulching uh, the other week and I'm digging the mulch out. Naturally, I'm right handed and I want to move to my right side. I want to have the speed and the, the, the wheelbarrow and want on side and do it like that. But I was conscious that every time I went back for a new wheelbarrow load of stuff, I tried to put it on the other side. Yeah. So I was digging the other way. It's much harder to do, obviously, and it's much slower progress, but it's trying to vary that range of, of movement when you're actually overtaking tasks just to get a bit, you know, more benefit and try and use manual tools instead of um, electric tools if possible, because obviously then you need to put a bit more effort in and a wee bit more um, stamina and it's just increasing all of your range of movement. And it's amazing. Um, I, I don't go to gym. I've never have been a, a gym buddy. I like being outside, but... Um, much as my children would disagree with, with it, but I have more flexibility, more um, stamina, more endurance, more dexterity, more body strengthening tasks, just because of the tasks I have to undertake, you know, as part of the business of keeping the garden going. But I also like to, you know, I just like to be outside in the garden. I just like to be pottering. If I don't have big jobs to do, start, then there's always something to do. So it's just the very act. Um, again, as we were saying earlier, it's just a very act of being outside is, is what's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. In that um, green space. Listening to your body. I think it's important that, um, about listening to your body to notice if you're overworking one one part mm -hmm. of your body. So if you are down in a squat, you know, people talk about having gardener's knees and struggling to get up and down. It's thinking about what how, how does support this movement so that if you're I mean, if you're picking up something heavy, it's not just trying to drag it up and lift yeah. with your back. It's about engaging the muscles in your legs, the muscles in your backside, the muscles in your abdominal area so that it makes everything lighter. So if everything's like, oh my God, this is such an effort, just pause for a minute and rather than try to do everything really quickly, slow the movement down so that you're being really intentional with mm -hmm. the movement. Because if you put your back out, it's an absolute nightmare. Like, yeah. it's so painful. Um, so being consciously intentional with your movements as you're going around, like you were saying there, being conscious of switching from one side to the other mm -hmm. so that you don't get a repetitive strain injury from just doing yeah. the one side. But that very act of slowing down to help the physical movement also aids with the whole process of just slowing down in general. So it all marries in so well. There's no other place, I think, bar the garden where all of these physical and um, well-being benefits just come together so easily almost effortlessly without having to think about it without having to follow our regimented program of you know you must breathe now or you know be mindful about this activity or you know think about this stretch or do it just all comes together um seamlessly there was quite um I don't know, quite a collective laugh i guess behind the scenes um in the gardening the gardening media kind of world when um mindfulness became quite a thing you know it became a buzzword uh, over the last yeah. couple of years because gardeners have always been and always practiced mindfulness you know yeah. that what we were saying earlier the act of waiting for a seed to germinate the act of waiting for the carrot to, to be ripe enough to pull that patience that being in the moment uh, just the act of mindfulness so gardeners have always been mindful so if you're an advocate of mindfulness then take yourself out into the garden and without having to necessarily still and slow your body just the act of overtaking a task for me it's weeding when i am literally and i don't weed with the hoe i weed on my knees because for me it slows it down it slows everything down and i am weeding but my mind completely clears of all other thoughts and what comes to the forefront is maybe an issue that i'm worried about i'm working on it's annoying me and i work through a border weeding sometimes attacking if it's a difficult issue um, but by the time i'm finished that I've come to some kind of solution. I've come to some kind of resolution because my mind has cleared of all the nonsense. Yeah. Um, and I just feel quite, you know, mentally better. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's so much, so much benefit to that for that, that silencing all the 
the chaotic yeah. because when you try and work out a problem and you're in the problem your brain can't there's too much other stuff that's why go stepping outside get some fresh air go and put it in your garden go have a nap these things mm-hmm. just allow the, the problem solving yeah. part of your brain to all kick in rather than it all being the frontal cortex yeah so so it's great it's a it's a solution to many is the problem i'm I do think there certainly is some movement towards doctors starting to prescribe mm. green prescriptions um, and instead of, for example, prescribing you know, antidepressants or other medication, uh, actually prescribing you know, people to get outside. And, and there, are, there aren't enough programmes yet for doctors to marry up being able to prescribe that for a lot of people. <laughs> but there certainly are a lot of um, kind of trial studies, um, predominantly quite a few in England, um, quite a lot of trial studies on, on how that works. And mm. Gosh, you know, if we could just embrace that as, you know, the NHS is, is struggling with capacity as it is. So if we could, you know, in some ways bring that all together, bring the knowledge that we know is already there and the benefits that we know are there and marry it with the people who really need the help and we get more people outside engaged in purposeful activity. Um, it's, it's also social. So for people who are really, you know, struggling with their mental health and with issues, Gardening in a group. Now, I know it's obviously the past couple of months been very difficult to overtake anything like that, but things, thankfully, as of yesterday, will start to open up over the next month. You know, if you are struggling in any way with your with your mental health and you don't have the confidence to get out in your garden or you don't have a garden, look locally for a community gardening group. Um, community gardening groups do not in any way require that you have any knowledge whatsoever of gardening. Um, I, I'm involved in a community gardening group um, every week and it's the highlight of my week. I love it. Yeah. And people join and say, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You're all the experts. And it, it, that's not the case at all. Some yeah. people have a bit of knowledge on something. Some people have a bit of knowledge on something else. But collectively, we make a difference in our local area. But more than that, it's very, very social. So it's not just a sharing of gardening knowledge. It's the chit-chat that goes along with it. It's people checking in on each other. People yeah. noticing, you know, week after week if someone's not feeling great or if, you know, they've just not got the same enthusiasm. So... If you're feeling in any way, like the, like most of us are very stuck in the house at the moment, have a wee search and see if you can find a, you know, a community gardening group that you can get involved in. And believe me, every community gardening initiative will 100% welcome you with open arms because they're always looking for volunteers. So it's yeah. definitely, and you'll feel the benefits in a very small, quiet way. But if it's, if it's regular, if it's something you can do once or twice a week, by goodness, you will really feel the benefits over time. And it may encourage people to learn new skills and then maybe to tackle their own spaces, even if that's just a few pots on a balcony. Absolutely. Oh, so good. Um, is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? No, that was a great chat on all, all things gardening, really. <laughs> Physical so. benefits, well-being benefits, getting out, your allotment. It's, uh, it's yeah. been great. It's been a great chat. It's yeah. great, always great to chat to someone who gets gardening, who loves being out there, who loves growing things. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of everything to do with gardening, but particularly to do with all the benefits that it, that it brings and of, you know, breaking that image that it's for the Blue Rinse Brigade. It's for everybody. It's for everybody right down to, you know, children. The amount of time that children, you know, go to school, don't understand where their food comes from. You know, we, we need to do more work and we're starting to get there on the, the addressing the curriculum and addressing what's what's important and what we teach children. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think it's it's, it's definitely, a, a, let me get my words out, I see it as very much as a cultural thing for, for Scotland. It's just we need to relearn this because previously it was my granddad mm-hmm. doing it, but my partner Chris... He's always been involved in the garden and when you go across to the allotments there's a lot of foreigners have got plots. There's not that many like many Scottish people have put well, I don't know if they're not putting their names down. Um, but it's definitely it's very multicultural mm-hmm. when you go over, which is that in itself is brilliant. That it's yeah. not just all folk that stay in your street that you're there with. It's there's, yeah, and you'll learn from people growing, yeah. wanting to grow different crops because they might want to grow crops native to their home country. Yeah. Um, and then that's, that's you know, expanding your repertoire of what will grow maybe in Scotland because someone's tried something experimental you would never try before. So it's, that, yeah. it's back to that whole community sharing and learning from other people. But yeah, I think you're right. It's probably a cultural thing as well. It's we need to get kids back to that, that um, understanding the cycle of life and understanding, you know, 
where our food comes from and giving the for me it's a skill it's, it's equipping children with the skill to be able to grow their own food as much as we should as adults we should all have that skill if you think about purpose on the planet and things like that not knowing how to grow what feeds you it's a huge lack yeah isn't it it's, it's quite an embarrassing lack i think in some ways that there are so many people who don't know how to feed themselves yeah you know you're still lying on the supermarket having everything yeah yeah. Which which is great, but grow something yourself and you cut down your carbon footprint, you cut down, you know, reliance on plastics, you cut down reliance on chemicals and pesticides because you're in control then of what goes, you know, in that crop. So you got you're you're giving massive benefit back, but you're gaining benefit from yourself and that's and I've know we've said that a few times, but that's what gardening does. It brings benefit to the planet. Yeah. But it brings benefit to you as well so it's kind of a win-win all round it's a win-win all round for me anyway I know I'm a bit biased but (laughs) (laughs) we all are really biased about the stuff that we're really passionate about because we feel the benefits of it and you're just like why do other people not get this (laughs) exactly I know and you said pop on for a quick chat and look we're nearly an hour later so you can't get me started about gardening because then I'm just going to wax lyrical Mm -hmm. I know, mm. I know. Thank you so much for your time. So if anybody's watching this, if you're watching it back on Instagram, if you go to your page, the uh, Scotland Grows page, there's a, is, am I right in thinking there's a link there to get the access to the magazine? Yep, there's a link in the bio um, and that will take you and it's um, a free subscription magazine which goes yep. out uh, bi-monthly right across Scotland and it lands straight into your inbox um, and you know, part of that is to be, you know, conscious of not um, being a print magazine. So we, we know we're not we're not using paper. We're eco friendly. So the magazine comes out digitally and it lands straight in your inbox, and it can be read on um, every platform from phone to laptop to tablet to desktop. And it just resizes to fit whichever screen you're on. And um, so there's lots of advice on there on growing your own veg, on growing flowers. Um, there's advice on um, well-being, the benefits of gardening, things that can be gained, and also just lots of I am, we're up to 14 different columns. We've got two new columns joining um, for this issue, which is out on the 2nd of April. And what's good about that is we've got 14 gardeners from all around Scotland, all writing about different things, reflecting local climates and what grows well and what doesn't, and giving the benefit of their experience. So Scotland Grows is all about real gardeners and real gardening, not fancy TV makeovers. About, it's about what grows well here and what real gardeners can attest to. Um, it's so, really beneficial because I signed up for it when I first saw it. I was like, oh, that's amazing because you, you do it when you read magazines, like any of the gardeners or old magazines, and you're just like, well, that's not relevant up here. It's not hot enough here for that or yeah. that doesn't work. So I can highly recommend it. So if anybody's been listening to this on the podcast or watching it on YouTube, I will put the website URL into the show notes for that. So Thank whatever, you very much. That would be great. people are listening, they can get access to it. Well, it was lovely to talk to you today, lovely and to um, you. I will follow the progress of your allotment. I hope to see some pictures of it as it's uh, progressing and coming along. Yes, there will be for sure. Chris puts it; he's got a allotment in page that he puts all these okay. pictures up. He's always sharing them, so I'll let you know the, the handle of that, and you can. Yeah, good, good, good to see. I say, and take pictures because it's good to see your progress as it as it moves on, and then. absolutely helps you remind it well it was lovely to talk to you jen and you too good luck with the allotment over the next few while and hopefully we'll catch up again soon yes definitely nice to chat to you then bye-bye later bye